What's up, everybody? This is your host, Chris, and you're now tuning in to episode eight of Spit That Game. Listen, we're going to talk about some week 11 football. Got a different episode for you on today. I promise you, you might enjoy it. If you just sit back and sacrifice at least the next 25 to 35 minutes with me, it may go even a little longer because of how we're doing the show. I promise you, you don't want to miss it. This is your host, Chris. You're now tuning in to Spit That Game. What's up, everybody? We are back, and this is your host, Chris, tuning in for episode eight of Spit That Game, week week 11 of college football. It was a hectic week, weekend of football, rather. It was a weekend of surprises. It was a weekend of frustrations for a few fans, and I'm looking for those people today because we're doing a different episode right now. We're doing an episode where it is live on Facebook. You can share it. You can participate. I'm looking for comments. I'm looking for questions. I'm looking for all of those things for those that are interested and that are supporters of Spit That Game. Also, I know a lot of people have things that they want to vent about um, this past weekend with the Alabama LSU game that went on that took place. So I'm looking for all questions. I'm looking for all um, statements, um, all of the venting uh, that you want to do right now and I promise you I'm going to make this episode as fun as possible so I'm looking for everybody that has something to say I want to kick off talking about this past weekend of college football and I know everybody is wondering what's what's my opinion on the Alabama LSU game the playoff picture how those things are going to go so for those who want to participate share the video I'm looking for you um, I don't mind asking questions answering questions on tonight I'm looking for some of those LSU and Auburn fans to kind of tease tease me a little bit, being that I did pick Alabama and I am an Alabama fan. Roll Tide, still Roll Tide. Uh, I hadn't given up on my team yet, and I hope a lot of y'all haven't given up on the team yet. But neither here nor there, we're going to get to a few of these SEC games that took place over the weekend. We're going to talk about uh, the first game being Appalachian State and South Carolina. Now, watch it. In, in this game, um, South Carolina loses to Appalachian State. And I did say over the weekend that this was a game that South Carolina cannot come into and um, expect to just blow them out. They cannot come into the game with an attitude that they've already won. Um, and South Carolina looks like they came into that game in that way. And I believe after this past weekend, Will Muschamp will be out of a job. And I've got a prediction on that. If Will Muschamp get, Champ gets fired, uh, he will be coming to T-Town to join Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide, being that he is a part of that Nick Saban coaching tree. And uh, I just believe right now there's it, no hope for um, Will Muschamp out in Columbia, man. I mean, he's he lost to Appalachian State, and I said that he shouldn't take that team lightly. I had a feeling that Appalachian State was going to win, but I did pick the Gamecocks because I just thought the depth chart talent would show, but apparently they didn't. And I'm seeing a few people chime in, share it, um, ask questions, um, talk, your, talk your stuff, spit your game, whatever you want to do. Um, I don't mind because I'm looking for that participation. Anybody got anything to say? Does anybody have anything to say um, that could start a debate? Because I'm ready to debate right now. 
Um, but anywho, uh, South Carolina loses that game to uh, Appalachian State, 20 to 15. And I, I really just don't see um, Will Muschamp holding on to his job any longer in, in, in Columbia. And, I mean, with Chad Morris getting fired, I just feel like the next SEC coach to lose his job will be Will Muschamp. Um, so we're going to move on uh, to the next game. Tennessee beats Kentucky. And as I said, um, that Tennessee team is improving. Uh, I, and, I, and I'm going to continue to say this. The SEC in the next two to three years is going to be a tougher conference um, because Tennessee is young and they're trending upward as the season prepares to come to a close. Um, they're, they've got a lot of young guys coming back next year. They, they'll probably lose Jennings at receiver. They're, they might – I think Chandler, Chandler has another year of running back. Um, and right now, Jeremy Pruitt – um, and those Tennessee fans are seeing a lot of improvement from these young guys on that team. So I, I just feel like the SEC in the next couple of years will get tougher. These were some of the weaker games, so I'm really not going to get too deep into those games. Um, however, uh, Florida beat the brakes off Vanderbilt 56-0, and Kyle Trash looked like a man on a mission. Um, 363. Uh, 25 of 37. He did throw two interceptions. Uh, Emory Jones had five carries for three touchdowns. And I think most, uh, not most, yet Mullins is, um, fire, how do I feel about Alabama fans talk about fire saving? <laughs> man, some of these people just don't even deserve to watch football. And I'm just going to be honest, man. I mean, if you talk about fire saving, I mean, all because you lose one game, you beat a team eight years in a row, you lose one game. And you want the man out of Tuscaloosa. That just goes to show how some of us are spoiled by winning. Um, and I'm going to say us because I have been spoiled by winning. It's hard to lose. But when you lose like that, man, looking at that game, um, third down 33-13 at the half and you come back and lose by five, uh, that's a pretty, you know, telling story that that game, um, if you take away that, that first drive where two of fumbles, you, if, if the referees make a correct call, on that on that catch that Moss uh, supposedly made, then I say you, you gotta you you got an Alabama win, but we're not gonna talk about it. Alabama did lose, um, so we we're not gonna get too deep into it um, until I get to that game for real. So moving on to the New Mexico State and Ole Miss game. Ole Miss won that game as expected. Georgia, Georgia and Missouri, Georgia and Missouri, Georgia and Missouri. Georgia won that game 27-0. And I'm going to say this, man. Um, and, and I know I, I have to try to wait until Friday, but I'm looking at this Georgia and Auburn game, and I feel like that game is going to be a, be, be a just all-out, like, fight. I got, I, I got a real feeling that Georgia and Auburn is going to be a defensive game. Who can make the most stops? Who can um, – move the ball on third down, who can get into those third and short situations, who can establish the run. And I just believe that game, Georgia and, and Auburn, but Georgia beat Missouri. Uh, no Kelly Bryant for Missouri once again. And Georgia did what they were supposed to do. Um, they ran the ball pretty well. Um, if you look at the ground game, uh, DeAndre Swift had 83 yards on 12 carries. Brian Harry and 10 Carries 42 yards. Amir White had a pretty good game. But Jake Fromm, 13 of 29. His efficiency, his his completion percentage 
uh, has dropped tremendously this year. Um, Jake Fromm just does not look like the same quarterback right now. And they did lose uh, Lawrence Cager at receiver. Uh, he walked off the field. He can't. He went off the field hurt. He did not finish the game. Um, so, I mean, Cager comes back, comes back and uh, plays a big role in the Florida win, but then comes back the next week against Missouri and he gets hurt. So what does that say for Georgia going into this Auburn game? I believe right now Auburn is one up as far as health-wise. But then Auburn has a lot of injuries as well. So I believe this game going into um, Jordan Hare on the Plains is going to be a pretty good game, but I'll give those predictions later on in the week. So uh, moving on to the game that everybody wants to talk about, Moving on to the game that everybody is fussing about. Moving on to the game that everybody still may have questions about. Um, the Alabama and Ole Miss game, and uh, I, I was I was hoping I got better participation um, in this because I really want to talk to these Alabama and LSU fans. I really want to talk to all of those people who believe um, that Alabama's um, dynasty is done. Um, it's my belief that they're not done. It's my belief um, that Bama still has a chance to make the playoffs. And when you put it all in perspective, uh, they do have a chance. Looking at this past weekend, watching that Alabama game, I was hyped from 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 kickoff. Um. Watching that game, man, it was it was entertaining. Um, you can tell the crowd had a lot of energy. You can tell that everybody was into it. I mean, I mean, coming out that first drive, coming out that first drive, watching Alabama on that first drive. When you really pay attention to that game, Alabama came out the first drive and pretty much established that they were going to dominate. But then all of a sudden. Um, you have a un, an, an unforced error by Tua on the drive where he fumbles uh, trying to switch the ball into his uh, right arm. And to me, that's an unforced error. And that took the win, I believe, out of Alabama, out of Alabama just a little bit because um, watching them that first drive, they were, they were confident. They were confident. I mean, they, Najee Harris breaks off a big run. Um, Tua throws a couple of passes, and you're inside of the 10-yard line, probably about the seven – I think they were about the seven or six-yard line, and Tua fumbles the ball. Um, he fumbles the ball like nobody touched him. And I believe, I believe it was a mental thing in that moment um, because watching him um, run that football – he just looked like you can you, you can tell he didn't work on that all week. Um, so he fumbles, LSU goes down, and they score. Like is is LSU scores, and Alabama comes out the next drive. You can tell that the wind was taken out of them a little bit um, because of the fumble. And I think LSU went up 10-0. Then you have the punt return. Um, you have the punt return by what the heck. 
Okay, there we go. You have the punt return by Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle gives the team some energy. Defense comes out. Um, I don't know, man. And everybody is saying that Alabama is done. Everybody is saying that Alabama is done. But watching that Penn State and Minnesota game, um, the way Alabama lost, if they would have lost by 20, if they would have lost by, you know, 14, two touchdowns, you could say that Alabama's playoff chances are done. But if you if you want to talk about reality, if you want to be real about it, and I know everybody is saying is hoping that Alabama is done for those who are not Alabama fans, Alabama still has a chance to make the playoffs. When you look at it, they lost by five to an LSU team. All LSU has to do is go out and win the SEC championship, and that loss looks good. Um, would you say that the committee is looking at the fact that you had a not 100% tour? then they may be looking at that. But also, um, for the playoff committee, the voting gets tough because, of course, LSU takes the number one spot. LSU is the best team in the country, hands down. And looking at reports, um, listening and, and looking at that game, man, LSU right now, they don't have any weakness on offense. Um, I mean, they can run, they can throw. Um, they, expose, they, they expose Alabama youth. At linebacker, I mean, it was Hilaire on that touchdown that he scored. Um, I think it was, what, in the third or fourth quarter that it was Hilaire. Uh, he beat Shane Lee or Christian Harris. I believe it was Shane Lee on the touchdown. Um, he beat Shane Lee to score a touchdown, give them, put them up by two touchdowns. And then when you look at how they just attacked the middle of the football field, man, I mean – I've, I honestly, and me being an Alabama fan for as long as I have, especially in this Nick Saban time, I haven't seen Alabama's defense get gashed like that. Um, well, I mean, Clemson gashed them up pretty good. But as far as being, I mean, our defensive line did not get pressure. Um, i tell you what, Patrick Sertan held his down. Um, and, and they exposed his Alabama defense is young. And that's why I said, you know, Bama can't be going anywhere. For all of the, for for all of those that are hoping Alabama is going anywhere, um, they're not because they're young on defense. They are playing seven 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 freshmen on defense. Uh, mind you, Dylan Moses will return. I don't believe he'll go to the draft because I believe his draft stock due to that injury has dropped, and he has to come back and prove himself to get that. Uh, higher draft grade, get more money in the draft, however you may look at it. Um, but Dylan Moses comes back, and Alabama's defense is stronger um, next year. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's all about looking at the facts, and I know everybody has counted Alabama out. And it's okay. It's okay to count Alabama out. It's okay to say that Alabama is done. Um, but those are those are for the folks that are hoping that. And we got to stop blaming that game on Donald Trump. Donald Trump did not play a down for us. Donald Trump did not play a down. Um, that doesn't matter. I, I mean, and then, you you know, Coach Edo is catching a lot of heat for, you know, his post-game, his post-game reactions. He, he's catching a lot of heat for um, – saying that he owns the field. And I feel like, honestly, it's just that that's too much to me. Um, when you haven't beaten the team 
in eight years when you haven't won in eight years? How can you uh, say that you own somebody? How can you say that you own a team? If that's the case, then you can go ahead and say Alabama owns um, the field out in Baton Rouge because last year LSU didn't score in Death Valley. So that that says a lot. People saying that LSU and Alabama may play again, do you think it would be a different outcome? Of course. Of course, it may be another high-scoring game, but at the same time, you look at some of the, the things that took place in this game right here, you could say that Alabama could have and should have won that game. But at the same time, I feel like it would be a different outcome. The second time around, Alabama wins by at least um, 7 to 10 points if they play LSU again. Um, because right now, I mean, LSU football players are feeling themselves. You've got um, um, the coach feeling themselves. you got the fan base. They're excited. And I get it. If you don't beat a team in eight years, I would be excited too. I remember, I remember when Alabama kept losing to Auburn, kept losing to Auburn, and Auburn, all the fans are fear the other finger or fear this finger and all of this different stuff. And then Saban comes in and, and Auburn is no longer a factor until Cam Newton gets there. And then, I mean, so you got to look at the facts. Alabama has dominated LSU the past eight years. So, I mean, you give them a win, you beat us by five. That's cool. I'll, I would understand if you, you know, come to the, you know, T-Town and just shut them out in Tuscaloosa, but you didn't. I mean, few mishap, few, you know, bad plays in the first half, but the second half showed that Alabama, I mean, is a team that can compete with the top teams in the country. And LSU being that number one team, you know, I mean, what more can you do to prove yourself? Yes, um, the defense sucked, but LSU's defense sucked too. Everybody is dogging out Alabama's defense. LSU defense didn't come to play either. Tua on a bad leg, on a bad ankle, threw for 418, four touchdowns, although he was not as efficient as he normally is, 52% um, – of completions, I mean, you got to think about it. The man missed two weeks of practice. He didn't start practicing until this week. So you you imagine what it could have been if Tua is healthy. I mean, doesn't miss practice for a week and a half. And I'm waiting on some of y'all to say something. I hadn't seen too many comments. So obviously there's no debate. Nobody wants to debate. Nobody wants to ask questions. Nobody wants to talk. But, I mean, you've, you you got to be realistic. Tua, if he plays um, healthy, if he practices for two weeks, I think it's a different story. I, I think it's a very different story. But, I mean, that's neither here nor there because the game is over. LSU wins. They walk out of Tuscaloosa with a win. And now we got to deal with, you know, all of the heat that we've been <laughs> we've been subject to giving everybody else. We're used to being the ones on the other end of the stick. And it didn't phase me too much. But but what does, um, as an Alabama fan, I know I can't be biased, but what does bother me is the teams that can't beat us are the ones that's talking. You know, the teams that can't beat Alabama are the ones that's talking. I mean, you got Auburn fans. Was it, was it a right call for him to play hurt because it could have gotten worse? It could have. I totally agree. I totally agree. But in a game of that magnitude, in a game, you know, I honestly feel like this. You lose viewers if Tua does not play. 
you lose viewers, and not only that, you lose the the fact that if LSU wins, people wouldn't respect it as much because Tua didn't play. And I'm pretty sure every LSU fan may feel that way right now. They may not tell you that. They may say, well, we were going to beat them regardless of Tua play or not. I get that part. Y'all won. But at the same time, would you feel better about the win with Tua playing or would you feel better without him playing? And not only that, I know y'all feel good because, I mean, LSU won, and and, and y'all should feel good. Y'all, had, y'all, They hadn't beat Alabama in eight years. But at the same time, if Tua is all the way 100%, how does that game go? If Tua gets two weeks of full practice and has his time, because a few of those throws that Tua made overthrowing his receivers um, – Miss, I mean, missing timing with his receiver. How often do you see that? You don't see that quite often. So you know, it's it's one of those things where if the doctors cleared him, if he do, if he did his rehab and he tells coach, "Hey, coach, I'm good to play." If if he's shown those um, those very things uh, with his action instead of his word, then I say it wasn't too risky to let him play. Um, I really believe he was just sore after that game. I don't really, I don't really think he was hurt. He was limping after the game. What would you think of the playoff poll? What will you think? Playoff poll, and where do you think Bama will end up? My honest opinion. My honest opinion. If you really want to know where I think Alabama will end up, I've got Alabama at least in the five or six spot. Um, of course, LSU goes to number one. You take Ohio State at two. You take Clemson at three. Georgia, Georgia goes into four. Um, Georgia goes into four. I would put Minnesota at five. You you can either, you can make an argument to keep Georgia at five and put Minnesota in the four spot because right now. Minnesota beat the number four team in the country, Penn State, and I feel like they really Minnesota really got slighted on the voting when they voted for them to be number seventeen. Minnesota should have been at least um, in the top twelve, and, and no disrespect to those two lost teams, but Minnesota is undefeated and they dominate it the same way everybody is saying Ohio State is dominating everybody, so they're number one. Penn State, go look at their go look at their um games and that those score. Penn State has dominated teams as well. I mean Minnesota has dominated teams as well. So if you really want to be real about it, Penn State should have been. I mean Minnesota. I keep saying Penn State. Penn State lost. Minnesota should have um been in the top top five top top twelve. And then now with this, I say move them into the top four. Keep Georgia at five. Bama at six. Oregon at seven. Utah at eight, and then 9, 10, 11, let that, you know, fall where it may. So, I mean, that's just my honest opinion. And, and Minnesota did a good job of of um, locking down P.J. Fleck for those next couple of years, no, for those next seven or eight years, however many more years they locked down. I know it's far-fetched, but how do you feel about an 18 playoff? How do you think it should be set up as far as conference championships? A eight, an eighteen playoff, and and I'm gonna be real, and this is my speculation. Y'all heard it here first. I believe, I believe the NCAA has approved 
players to get paid because the next direction that is going to be taken is an 18 playoff. And I said it. I, and and I may be wrong, but I really feel like in the back of my mind that the NCAA has approved players to make money off images and likeness or whatever because if we go to an 18 playoffs, if players can get paid, nobody runs their mouth. Nobody is complaining about a, what, they're playing, what, 14 games now? So you add, what, two, three more games? That's a 17-game season. At the same time, I feel like it's a um, bit much. But at the same time, I mean, an 18 playoff, it would shut up a lot of people. It would shut up a lot of people complaining um, because – and be set up as far as conference championships. I get that everybody says, oh, well, they won their conference. They won this conference. They won that conference. Here's the thing. How tough is your conference to win? Because if Oklahoma wins the Big 12, right, how many ranked teams are in the Big 12 besides Baylor that are, that are worth talking about and Kansas State? The, and, and Kansas State is a, what, 16, number 16? And I get everybody saying Alabama doesn't play anybody. Well, the SEC right now is not what the SEC used to be. And that's why I hate to hear people complaining because nobody was complaining when Alabama beat Arkansas when they had um, Ryan Mallett. Nobody was complaining when you beat a tough Ole Miss team. Nobody was complaining when you beat a good Auburn team. Nobody was complaining when they had to beat Florida when they had Tim Tebow, uh, when they beat Florida. Matter of fact, when when Urban Meyer was there before he left, nobody was complaining when Alabama had to play Mississippi State when they had Dak Prescott. Nobody was complaining when Texas A&M. So you, you got to be real. Conferences, they, they – Sometimes have those years where they're up. Sometimes they have those years, those years where they're down. So at the same time, you got to be realistic about it. And conference championships, to me, do matter. That's why I said Alabama can make the playoffs, but it's going to take a lot of factors to me right now for Alabama to make the playoffs because when you really think about it, a conference championship one-loss Oregon team looks better than Alabama losing with a weaker schedule. And then when you really think about it, if LSU wins the conference championship and they finish the playoff voting, the number one team, this this says that Alabama lost to the best team in the country by five points with an injured tour. Well, he wasn't injured. He was hurt because injury means you can't play. He was hurt. So it, Alabama lost by five points to a team that was – that the the best quarterback considered in the draft uh, before Joe Burrow kind of came in and did what he did, he was not all the way 100%. So it's a lot of factors that go into this stuff, man. Um, I'm still looking for more questions. Um, another thing I believe, I believe Gus Malzahn leads Auburn for Arkansas. I mean, I know a lot of people – probably, you know, don't care. A lot, I know especially a lot of Auburn fans that don't care. I know quite a few that's ready for Gus to leave right now. But Gus leaves Auburn. Gus leaves Auburn to go to Arkansas. And you can you can say what you want to say. You can feel how you want to feel. Um, what do you think is holding Auburn offense back from being what they need to be? Because you can say 
Of course. Bad, horrible play calling. It's it's not just it's not just play calling because it comes down to execution as well. Um and I feel like Auburn, mark my words, has a championship defense. I feel like they have a championship defense, but they don't have the offense to back them up. They don't have – I mean, and everybody says um, – and, and for those who watch football, you know in the back of your mind – no, for those who really watch football, you know that Gus had been calling plays all along when he had um, Chip Lindsey there. Because if you go watch that offense that he ran at Southern Miss – that offense does not look anything like what he ran in Auburn. Those plays in Auburn went before Chip Lindsey left were Gus Malzahn plays. And you got to be real about it. Auburn's offense is holding them back right now. And if, if, if Gus Malzahn leaves and go to Arkansas, Auburn becomes – the best job available in the country. I get everybody talking about Florida State and all this stuff. Florida State is not the best job in the country right now. If if it's it's the best job right now. But if Gus leaves and goes to Arkansas, you can bet you can bet money that Auburn becomes the most attractive job. And 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 watch and, and I'm gonna be real. I honestly feel like P.J. Fleck at Minnesota is the guy that Auburn would try to go get. Because even though they signed him to a seven-year extension, it does not mean he'll stay. So, I don't know, man. It's Auburn Auburn has the best defensive line in the country. They, but it's just the offense is keeping them just, I mean, the offense. And anybody that doesn't agree with me, you don't know football. If Auburn had an offense, they win in Baton Rouge. If anybody, you know, argues that Auburn wouldn't have won if they had an offense in Baton Rouge, you don't know football. Auburn had an offense. LSU is not 9-0. And I can just, I can just, you know, you, some folks might think I'm talking crazy or nonsense. But listen, if Auburn had an offense, LSU does not win. But I also said this too, if Oregon, if Oregon had um, their top four receivers in the first game of the year, Auburn may not win that game. Because look how tough Oregon played Auburn with a depleted receiver core. So it's 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 tough to say, man. What do you think about FSU supposedly going after? I I wouldn't do it. I feel like that's 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 a that's a um, how should I say it? Big wave hire. Um, he's a Florida State alumni. He graduated from Florida State. One of the best DB, probably the best DB, if not one of the best top three uh, DBs in NFL history. And that job looks attractive. But you got to think about it. He's coaching high school football. It's a difference in coaching college football. I believe he will get the best out of his players, hands down. But I just feel like, to me, that's just one of those um, 
one of those reports that's that's gonna make a lot of noise because it's Deion Sanders. You know, and Deion Sanders is popular, is popular amongst, you know, high school football players and and um you know, they would respond to him better because of who he is. He can relate to players a whole lot better. Jalen asks, how do you feel like how do you feel about how Gus handled Gatewood? He didn't handle him right. I honestly feel like Gatewood is the better player. I honestly and you can say what you want to say. You you can feel how you want to feel. Joey Gatewood is 6'5, 235 pounds. Not only that, um, I honestly feel like even if Gatewood didn't play, if you go back into the spring, Malik Willis really outperformed both of both of those quarterbacks. Go back to Auburn Spring, Malik Willis was outperforming the quarterbacks. He was the best performing quarterback in the spring for Auburn. So when he left, I feel like it was a lot going on behind the scenes that um, – and, and you know, excuse me for saying this, that Bo Nix was going to start because of daddy. You had daddy ball played a lot in this, man, and I'm being, I'm just being honest about that. And I know a lot of Auburn fans that feel this way because Malik Willis outperformed um, Bo Nix in the spring and Joey Gatewood, but I feel like Joey Gatewood gave you the better chance at quarterback because he's big, he's physical, he can give you, he he gives you that quarterback that can run between the tackles, he can hit the outside. So, I mean, you you got to be real about it. Um, Gus Malzahn messed over Gatewood pretty good, and the dude is 18, 19 years old. He was a red shirt last year. Bo Nix, I, I believe, did not come in and outperform Malik Willis and Joey Gatewood. That's just my opinion. I don't believe Bo Nix came in and just outperformed them. Do, does he have great arm talent? Of course. Watching him throw the ball, he he got a, he's he's a gunslinger. But at the same time, you still got to have some control about yourself. And a lot of times, you look at the the physical tools, but football is also also mental. Football is also mental. So a lot of things that if you watch Gus Malzahn, those quarterbacks don't know how to read a defense. Those quarterbacks aren't trained to read a defense. Those quarterbacks in Auburn, if you watch them, they they play fake and they've got one or two reads. <laughs> you rarely see Auburn quarterbacks going through three or four progressions. Is Seth Williams going deep? Seth Williams on a on a in, on a box in or a slant, maybe a comeback route here and there. You always got your running backs running the wheel route on the backside. Do you think player transferring hurts a program more than it helps it? How do you feel about players decommitting from schools, and do you think it should be a rule? As far as decommitting, like during the recruiting process, like like during during the recruiting process, should it be a rule that they decommit? Um, clarify that for me. And then with the transfer, I think it does hurt programs, um, but at the same time, I feel like it's more about the players. Um, okay, so. And okay, so okay, so decommitting from schools during high school. I feel like as long as you have not signed a letter of intent, you got the right to um 
you've got the right to decommit. You don't have to, as long as you didn't sign the letter of intent, letter of intent, I feel like you have that right because it's your decision on where you're going to, where you want to go and where you're going to be the happiest. And right now, um, I'm hoping Alabama gets this tight end that, that that's uh, that was at the game this past weekend because LSU snatched one right from under us, and he was leaning towards Georgia more than anything, I believe. But I, I feel like the recruiting process is fair. Um, now, is it spreading out a whole lot more? Yes, Alabama is not dominating getting five stars like they used to. Um, you know, remember, Bama used to have maybe six, seven, five stars in one recruiting class. It's not working out like that no more. But even if it's not working out like that, I feel like the talent is spreading out. And I think it's more fun for college football to see the talent spreading out because now there's no guarantee of who's a, a definite national champion. And really and truly, I said at the beginning of the year, I know I didn't start the podcast late, but this year's playoff was going to be a toss-up because – it's talent everywhere. You got good quarterbacks everywhere. Jacob Eason, Justin Fields, uh, Jake Fromm, he, he slid, he slid, he's sliding a little bit. He hasn't played up to expectation tour. Uh, you got Justin Herbert out west. You got, um, I, I thought Kellen Mom was going to have a better year at Texas A&M. I, I thought Kellen Mom was going to have a better year at Texas A&M. And then, you know, Clemson, uh, Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, he hadn't, to me, I feel like he hasn't played up to the expectations that everybody had on him. Does the transferring hurt other programs? Yes. But does some of those players stand and sitting behind somebody two, three, maybe four years and never playing? I feel like it hurts them more than it hurts the program. Mond, Mond is overrated, but he's not he's not I feel like he would have had a better year. Kellen Mond is, to me, that quarterback that you throw the ball 25 times and you let him run the ball at least 12 or 13 times. I believe a 250, 275, uh, 90, 80 to 90-yard rushing game is his type of game. He's not that quarterback that's just going to take over a game and dominate passing the ball. And I feel like um, Jimbo needs to get him out of the eye formation too. Um, because his game does not fit being in the I formation. He's a spread quarterback. He needs to play in a spread offense. So, yeah, I, I, I totally agree that it's not the fact that Mond is overrated. I just feel like he needs to get out from under the center because, that to me, that's just not his game. Let's see. And the decommitting part, yeah, like I said, that, that part, man, is one of those things where you – How will it affect the boosters? Shoot, the boosters don't have to hide what they're doing no more. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. but the boosters won't have to hide what they're doing. I mean, they could just pay them, hey, here you go, you know, uh, or they'll tell them, I'm, I'm going to buy your jersey, or you can sign my autograph. You can. I mean, I feel like it allows the boosters to help them more without feeling guilty about it or having to hide it. Um, So, really, until we know, like it's saying – money going towards the players for image and likeness until we know how exactly those guidelines are going to be set then i really feel like it's hard to tell um 
I really feel like it's hard to tell how that situation is going to go. A&M has some really good wide receiver. Mon hates to run the ball, but he's effective when he runs the ball. I feel like Kellen Mon is more effective out of the pocket than he is in the pocket. And that's just if you if you know he's one of those guys that I mean he can he can change a game with his legs. So I I mean he he has good wide receivers, but he can change the game with his legs. Um, but for the image and likeness, man, until they set those guidelines and they hadn't set official guidelines for him, then right now I feel like the the boosters, um, you know, they're gonna they're gonna sit back a little bit until they get the actual guidelines. And once they get the guidelines, they'll figure out a way to pay players under the table. And everybody know everybody gets paid under the table in NCAA football. How do you think coaches build relationships with the recruits? I mean, being by being, um, you know, 100% truthful with them, um, going to visit their homes, um, bringing them in, having conversations with them when they come in. I feel like the coaches can build the relationships, but I feel like the players are pretty much captured by their experiences on campus and their visits with some of the players in the programs. And when they get a chance to finally just get on campus and sit with the coaches in their element versus the coaches sitting in their homes. Because truth be told, I mean, coaches come to your home and recruit you in your house. But once you get to the university, man, those those coaches ain't going sitting on your couch eating Thanksgiving dinner, talking to your mom and dad. Of course, they're going to talk to them when they come visit you at the university, but that's about it. That relationship, that, that relationship was to bring the player in get him to our university, make him comfortable to commit to us. My issue with the players getting paid, hello, government, they're going to tax tax the crap out of those players. We got to see what the guidelines, we got to look at the guidelines first, I believe. I believe once the guidelines are set and how the the system will work with these players being paid, and I'm going to be honest, I don't care how they get paid. As long as NCAA football come back out on PlayStation – I'm not really worried about how they get paid as long as they get paid so the NCAA football can come out and I can play um, Dynasty mode and I can play Heisman mode. That's all I'm really worried about. I'm just going to be honest. And when the day I got that announcement on my phone, I about lost it because I'm like, look, I hadn't bought a PlayStation 4 yet just because of the NCAA football. That's the only game I play. I don't play. I don't care about Call of Duty. Uh, I mean, 2K is okay, but when it comes to NCAA football, that's all I want to play. I wish recruiting was like it is now because my recruitment was really boring. Yeah, man, it it was. I'm gonna be honest, man. I feel like recruiting was harder um, back in like the the the. The decade before 2010, like, I believe recruiting was harder. Um, decade before 2011, from, like, 2000 to 2010, I believe recruiting was harder because now it's easier for players to get out there and put themselves out there. It's easier for players to just send a video or, you know, because, I mean, those coaches back then, they used to get probably – Thousands of tapes of players just saying, Coach, this is my film, recruit me now. You know, somebody put up a video of one player doing something amazing, something amazing in a game, and now they on YouTube watching this one player whole highlight film. And I feel like it's easier to go to these camps too. Um, also, 
Uh, there are so many different camps that you can go to. And then two two four seven sports wasn't out. Um, then all you had all you had was ESPN and Rivals. Now you got two two four seven sports. You got ESPN. You've got um, you've got Rivals still. And to me, I feel like ESPN is is the most accurate in recruiting recruit rankings. So. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. It's between ESPN and Rivals. It's always been those two with me. Two four seven sports is okay, but if you always look at it, you got one player ranked here in two four seven sports, one player ranked here in two four seven sports, one player ranked here in ESPN, one player. Ranked, so it's it's. I the coaches showed our high school football coaches. And on our recruitment visit, they showed us girls in the university. Well, I, I promise you, they showing us a lot of these boys, girls now. But I ain't gonna go too deep into that because you got some parents listening. So, <laughs> see, I don't think Clemson deserves to be in the top four because of their strength of schedule. They blowing everybody out. They play. So is Ohio State. So is Ohio State. I mean, but the, but the difference is the Big Ten is cut tougher um, than the ACC, but. Clemson's defense is, is very dominant right now. And I feel like Clemson is picking up at the right time of the year. They've improved at the right time of the year. A lot of people are going to say Clemson shouldn't be in the playoffs because of their record. But at the same time, they are the defending national champion. And, and if they win out and win their conference, um, then I feel like, you know, Clemson should be in the top four because until you beat them, they are the champion. Rivals was in the second year during my recruitment. Yeah, Rivals. Bama, Ohio State, and Clemson's strength of schedule is really weak. Very, very weak. But you got to look at on the back end of things. Ohio State still has to play Penn State. They still have to play Michigan. They still have to – I think that's it. Because I don't think they'll see Minnesota until the, the uh, conference championship game, which – um, Alabama, you know, Alabama has a weak schedule. And I feel like you can't fault because if you're trying to play power five teams, man, and, and they don't want to play, there's not really much you can do about it but just go with who says, oh, we'll play you. Um, Clemson, the ACC just suck, suck right now. I mean, ain't nothing you can do. I mean, even even when – I mean, you had two teams that was complete competing with Tim Clemson a couple of years ago. You had uh, Louisville and you had Florida State. Now is – I mean, the, I mean, like I said, remember when the SEC had um, – what was that court? Ryan Mallett when they had him at Arkansas, Ole Miss when they was paying the players. The SEC was, was on top then. But now you've got um, – the SEC isn't as tough because you had a lot of ranked teams in the SEC around. Do you think this year is just the LSU fluke or are they on the come up for years to come? Huh. That's a tough question. That's a good question, but it's a tough question. They lose Joe Burrow this year. They lose Joe Burrow after the season is over with. They lose uh, Jefferson. They lose their receivers. Um, they lose Dale Pitt. They, so LSU – you you got to be honest about this. They lose Fulton at cornerback. They keep Stingley Jr., but at the same time, LSU is going to be on the rebuild. If they don't win this year, it's going to be another couple of years before they can compete for a national championship. And I think that's why Orgeron is like, we've got to win it this year because he knows that right now 
when when this season is over with, they're losing. Um, they've already lost Divinity. They're losing Dale Pitt. They're losing uh, Fulton at cornerback. Um, they're losing Joe Burrow. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I believe he is a, a junior. Um, then you lose your your entire just about three, maybe four receivers. So you you got to be really if you don't win this year, I feel like you 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 probably won't win it for the next couple of years because players are young, and that's why I keep telling everybody out don't count Alabama's dynasty out because Alabama still is in the top three in recruiting. They're playing seven players, seven freshmen on defense right now, and this is the same Alabama. You got to think about it. Alabama lost maybe, what, 16, 13 to 18 players in the past three years to the draft on defense. Now they're playing seven freshmen, and you're going to bring freshmen in behind those players. So they're building that depth that they need to build because if you look at the Alabama defenses of the past, you'll always realize that Alabama had um, upperclassmen playing in front of a of a of a underclassman. You had a junior playing in front of a sophomore, and even when that sophomore rotated, you still had um, you still had a freshman that would rotate in from time to time. So Bama always had players that had experience. How do you feel about Clemson moving to the SEC? Come on, I I, I mean I feel like they could, but at the same time, it would not benefit them because. I mean, that makes it tougher for them to make it to the playoff. It makes it tougher for the SEC. And the SEC right now, it's already tough enough if you don't if 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 you you know make it to the SEC championship, it's 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 a chance you may not make it out of there with a win. So the SEC right now with the with the top heavy teams that they have, I feel like Clemson just I mean, coming to the SEC would not benefit them at all. LSU O-line will, will be returning. Okay, that's good. But who do you have at quarterback? Who do you have that's proven at quarterback, as a matter of fact? Who do you have behind Jefferson, behind um, um, Chase, behind those guys? 16, 17, no elite pass rushers. Alabama did it as a group. Back then, though, you had Jonathan Allen, January, all those guys were talented. And if you double team one, you got to worry about another one. Right now, if you double, you don't have to double team Bama's uh, rushers because, I mean, like I said, it's a depth thing, man. And Terrell Lewis, I feel like if he wasn't hurt for two years, then he would be a different story right now for for offenses. And mind you, he still played his way into a first-round draft grade, late first-round draft grade. But at the same time, yeah, Alabama doesn't have the the elite pass rushes that they normally have. But like I said, they got a five-star lineman that came in last year. One of them left, and I think he's transferring to Colorado. Um, so just got to be realistic right now. Alabama is not that team um, on defense that they've been in the past. But, you know – you win some, you lose some. Sometimes, you know, you're doing what you need to do. And right now, Bama just has to rebuild on the defensive side of the ball. You got to look at the players that they lost. You lost Minka Fitzpatrick, you know what I'm saying? You lost, you know, um, Reuben Fosters. You lost um, Mac Wilsons. You've lost, um, you know, a lot of those guys. Who will it be coming out of the East for the SEC Championship? Georgia. 
Georgia's coming out of the East. And I feel like that that LSU and Georgia game is going to be a good game. Who is your Heisman front runner? Joe Burrow. Easy. I give it to Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is the Heisman front runner. If you if you don't have Joe Burrow number one on your Heisman list, then you need to kick rocks with open toe sandals. Because right now Joe Burrow is just showing everybody that he's a different quarterback. He is a different and you gotta think about this. This is a dude that transferred from Ohio State. So think about how much talent Ohio State had sitting behind Haskins and all those guys. Break down the Auburn and Georgia game. I was going to wait till Friday, but I guess I can go ahead and do it now. Auburn and Georgia, Auburn and Georgia. Georgia right now is getting healthy on defense. No, they've gotten healthy on defense. Um, Auburn is not 100% on offense right now. I think – I can't remember the report I read where Gus was naming off a list of players that – um, are dealing with injuries right now. And my, my question is, will Marlon Davidson be back um, for the Georgia game this weekend? But I feel like that's going to be a good defensive game, a good defensive matchup. With I, I feel like whichever team establishes the run to make play action effective, I feel like that team will win the game. Whichever team um, can keep their defense off the field and, you know, convert on third down, I feel like, that team will win the game. I feel like whichever team forces um, the most turnovers, because I feel like in this this is going to be a game where turnovers are going to be forced because of the the defensive pressure that they can um, that they can bring. And okay, Georgia's O line is beat up, but you got to think about it. Auburn's O line has not performed against elite defenses. I mean, you got to think about the the rush yardage they had against Florida, LSU shut them down on the run until probably the third quarter when I think that was D.J. Williams that broke off that big run. So, and LSU's defense ain't even that elite this year. I mean, it's been a while since you've seen an LSU and an Alabama defense outside of the top 15. So, I mean, but I feel like, you know, Georgia's defense is, is, is a better defense. Put it like this. This Georgia defense is going to be the best defense that Auburn has faced all year. And it's just that you you got to be realistic about it. Can Auburn score enough points to beat Georgia? Can they? Because Georgia's secondary, they've got LeCount back. They, how do you how do you feel about? They've got LeCount back, and what's going to hurt Georgia though is they lose the ability to stretch the field with Cager because Cager. I I'm gonna I'm gonna read my reports during the week, but at the same time. I feel like um, with it, you, you got to be realistic about the whole thing. Cager um, getting hurt hurts Georgia. And if he doesn't play, then I feel like they lose that ability to stretch the field. I got to find my phone charger. My phone going to die in a minute. How do I feel about the NCAA um, for suspending Chase Young? I feel like um, that was a bit too much. I feel like he deserves better treatment for what took place. Chase Young does not deserve to be suspended, in my opinion, um, because it's a shame when a player got to borrow, has to borrow money from a family friend to um, send his girl uh, and have his girlfriend come to his game. And I'm trying to find my phone charger right now, y'all. Um, I gotta find my phone charger. Let's see. Well, whatever. 
I would yell out to my wife, but I'm on my podcast. Um, <laughs> how do you feel about anything? I got Auburn O-line got better with the change at center. The inside run game became better. Auburn has been running the ball a lot better. But against elite defense, they have not been performing um, as well. They have not been performing as well. Yo, where's my charger? They have not been performing as well on defense. Is OSU good or they haven't had any competition? Here's my opinion on Ohio State. And I'm just going to be honest about it. I feel like Ohio State is good. And I know we look at the fact that they haven't played anybody. I know we look at the fact that Ohio State is beating the brakes off everybody. That's what good teams do. And not only are they doing it, you know, letting teams score points. No, they are, like, stomping teams out. And when you look at look at the way they've been beating people, they've got a top five defense. They've got a top ten offense. And I really believe right now Ohio State – my phone charger. Ohio State is like I, – I, right now I wouldn't want to play Ohio State because Justin Fields – Justin Fields right now is showing the type of quarterback that Georgia is missing out on. They're showing the type of – like that, that Georgia is missing out on. And Justin Fields, you got to think about it, that dude is 230 pounds, 235, and he he's built like big – at the bottom half, so it's hard to take him down. It's hard to tackle him in the open field. It's hard to really tackle him in the pocket because he's he's elusive as well. And he makes plays with his feet, and he knows how to extend plays. And then when you look at J.K. Dobbins, you got the running game. They've got weapons at receiver, and they've got one of the best secondaries in the country along with one of the best D-lines in the country. So right now when you look at it and, and, and want to be realistic about it, Ohio State is actually a good team. And regardless of how anybody may feel about it, Ohio State is a team right now that I believe could compete with the top four teams in the country. So, you know, I got to find my charger. But, yeah, Ohio State, I, I believe they're really good. Um, but here, here's the thing. These next few games for them will show because I think they got Penn State, Michigan State, um, all of those teams coming up. So, those, those things are going to show court. Um, those things are going to show when they play those teams. Y'all, excuse me. I got to plug my charger up. So, yeah. Excuse me, yeah. But I believe those things are going to show up um, in, those, in those situations. In those situations. So, yeah. I really feel like Ohio State is probably just – Definitely, I believe Ohio State is the most is the, the the most complete team in the country on the defensive side of the ball, on the offensive side of the ball. I just believe right now they click on all cylinders on both sides of the ball. So I, I could I could I could definitely agree with that. And a lot of people are saying, well, uh, Ohio State doesn't play anybody. Ohio State hadn't played anybody. I mean, they've dominated everybody they played.
So when you look at it, they they run the ball well. They pass the ball well. They have a great balance team right now. And to me, right now, there is no uh, better balanced team in the country than Ohio State. So I, I, I agree with you right there, Patrick. Uh, Patrick Jenkins. Um, Ohio State is the most complete team in the country as far as um, being able to and, – and really when you look at it, they don't have to blitz a lot on defense because the front four gets pressure and it starts with Chase Young. Do you think Harbaugh is in the hot seat for Michigan? If Harbaugh don't beat Ohio State this year, I really feel like the alumni is going to call for his head. Um, and, you know, Harbaugh right now – and I'm not trying to be funny, but how can you worry about the SEC and the cheaters in the SEC and, you know, you can't even, you know, beat the teams that are in your conference. And you hadn't you, you can't even beat Ohio State. That that's the biggest thing in Michigan. Beat Ohio State. Beat Ohio State. Hold on, guys. Listen, I'm still on my live, so if you guys want to continue, we can continue this podcast on my live. But as for the podcast, because I've been on this podcast for an hour, and I promise you I've enjoyed every moment of it. You tune in with me for the way longer than 25 minutes, but I enjoyed every moment of it. Stay on the Facebook Live because I do want to continue to talk. I do want to continue to have conversation. I do want to continue to answer questions. But you've been tuned in with me for the past hour. This is your host, Chris. Thank you for tuning in. This is Spit That Game. Peace out.